Welcome, Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson. With me today is uh, Kevin Hill, executive publisher here at Freight Waves. And before we begin on that, we're going to talk a little bit about some trucking economic trends. And I have a few charts, so get excited, get hyped. But before we start, uh, this episode was brought to you by uh, our sponsor, Emerge, focused on empowering and growing meaningful supply chain relationships. Emerge is proud to sponsor the loaded and rolling community. Throughout its freight procurement platform, Emerge offers solutions that enhance the spot and contract procurement process. Emerge offers uh, enabling the shippers, of course, to make the most strategic decisions possible. You can learn more about this at www.emerge.com. Now, on to our first article. So, first one we're talking about today, inventory levels. You ask yourself why trucking and inventory levels, where I'm here to tell you today that we're gonna look at the uh, inventory levels rising from the lack of trucks and transportation capacity. So, what you're looking at here, it's gonna be an image of the logistics managers index. What is important? When we look at this, January was at 71.9. Why is this important? Well, anything over a 50 is an expansion and anything below a 50 is a contraction. So we have this narrative, we have this story, it is the 12th straight month over 70. So what does that mean to the common observer? Inventory is accumulating and we're having trouble hauling it. So looking into this, we have a positive feedback loop here. Um, what this is gonna do is there's no trucks to move it, we have a port and a warehouse backlog and then it's causing higher costs. So whenever we're looking at grocery stores, the reason they're having trouble sourcing this is because now they're competing with retail and other modes that traditionally may go on other carriers. So partially to blame is all the stuff we're buying, but especially uh, grocery stores are facing a supply chain shortage because from my experience, it's really hard to deal with grocery distribution centers because of the lack of labor and also pandemic related disruption. And then finally, Looking forward, if I were a betting man, I would look at people like TJ Maxx and Marshalls, uh, folks that are selling either uh, secondhand, like uh, going off market, because a lot of the Halloween and Christmas goods are actually um, still in containers six months later. So keep a close eye on that. So the logistics managers index that we just looked at is showing that we're having an expansion in, in inventories. Correct. Correct. Uh, like December, January. We're right. actually 12 plus months. So we're actually, whenever we're looking at that over 70, it is literally that high that the expansion has continued and we're seeing this crazy backlog of inventory. Okay, so, so a little bit different, different than inventory to sales ratio where you have inventory sitting around. Right? Correct. We don't have inventory sitting around. We're ordering more, selling more, having low levels of inventory in-house. A lot of it's sitting out in a boat or a ship, I should say, with in a box in containers in the ocean. Exactly, and this okay. loop, this feedback loop now is where people are still buying things, but you have to replenish that inventory. So we know that mm -hmm. stuff is going off the shelves, but now as we're trying to replenish the inventory, yes. we've overworked the system, and then now I can't find my farm to fresh table chicken at the grocery store no. because now it's competing against uh, the remnants of like last season's fall line. And that's the reason why you go into a grocery store, you don't have full shelves anymore. You have empty spots, which you'd never seen. Unheard I, of. I've never seen, unheard of. People would pay a premium for any little extra placement on a store shelf, you know, a major grocery chain. Now you see wide sections that are empty 
because of the demand uh, coming through. It's absolutely barren out there. And you look at Walmart, you look at Target, you look at some of these folks, they're having to work around it by literally chartering their own ships mm -hmm. as, a, as a potential workaround. So it, it's just an, it's an insane situation we're dealing with right now. And you know how that's impacting transportation and trucking, if you're a shipper of a grocery DC, you're not only getting hammered by folks not really wanting to work as much because there's a rising, uh, not work as much, work alternative jobs mm -hmm. uh, in terms of wage competition. So couple that with your carriers who are delivering into these locations and it's a one-two punch. You don't have enough staff to unload it, you're getting backlogs at distribution hubs for four to six hours, mm -hmm. and then at the same time you're having trouble sourcing the goods to even deliver at the distribution center. And, and I'm, I'm glad you bring up inventories because it's my favorite metric right now. It is what I'm watching in 2022. I talk to Anthony Smith all the time about it as well, and that we're both really watching, especially inventory to sales ratio. Right, demand is going through the roof. It can't go on forever. At some point, whether it's you know, uh, you know, drying up stimulus money or, or whatever the case may be, some kind of external shock, that is going to reset itself. And I think, you know, you, you kind of mentioned there uh, in, in the beginning too, is maybe an over inventory. Right. Certainly. Things aren't flying off the shelves, and that brings up the TJ Maxx, the Ross, uh, the liquidation companies that might see a lot of inventory that either didn't get there in time or maybe demand has slipped a little bit and doesn't have to slip all that much. It certainly does not have to go negative. Just a drop in the rate of growth of inventories and consumer demand and new capacity coming online, whether that's ship capacity, truck capacity, anything like that. And you get that overcorrection. And we're about to see, that's where I mentioned earlier in like a carrier update, there's a rubber band and a whipsaw effect. Yes. The biggest thing a lot of people have not figured out yet is we saw because of the pandemic a switch to durable goods. Um, you know, everyone mm -hmm. at the expense of services. Now with the pandemic and as it eventually opens up, people will start to spend more on services at the expense of goods mm -hmm. in addition to with inflation. So you're going to have this interesting scenario. Keep an eye on those, uh, the, the indexes just because when do we reach that inflection point to where maybe we're seeing more spend on services and now when the, the Class A orders are finally in, that's going to lead us to our next topic on trailers. Yes. You know, it, it's going to, who, who's left holding the bag? You know, it's kind of like a game of musical chairs and mm -hmm. trucking. Is it the shipper, the carrier, or the consumer? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, and it might, it might not be the consumer, it might be the other two right now. But, but let's talk about Class H tractors and trailers and what's happening with the supply chain there. And, that's gonna, and I think that's really important to look at. We're looking at our second article here. We're going to see an image up here, and this is from FTR Transportation Insights. And what we're looking at is uh, trailers. And so orders are currently down 42%. That's the first thing, looking at you know current year. And then... The key thing to pay attention to is the market has reached a similar pattern just like Class 8 trucks. Orders are currently averaging for trailers 26,000 for the past four months. That's barely more than what they're currently producing. They're not making more than their max production levels. Mm -hmm. the, even though the backlogs are only up 6%, there's still a huge amount of demand. People are not able to get it. Why is the demand? Well, currently what they said was a labor shortage. People are offering up to $1,000 as a sign-on bonus, and uh, there's a place in Indiana, it's the exact same thing when you make the mobile RVs. It's the yeah. exact same issue they're running into is they can't get enough folks that are either 
willing to or trained to quickly to help build and manufacture them. Because a trailer is, lit you know, you have the skeleton, the frame, the wood, the, the axle, the tires, you have all of this, and with the sensors now, at least 30 to 40 grand per trailer, mm -hmm. they can't keep up with demand. And so this is a big problem. Trucking likes new equipment. They break. Um, when I worked at a previous large carrier, sometimes the axles would lock up and catch fire. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll want to have a, an, an earlier trailer. So keep an eye on this because, you know, we talked about just now how quickly will capacity enter the market. Will this be something to where we go from 26,000 to like 50 to 75,000? And if this happens, you know, just like class eights, will capacity start pouring in? Or it is true. Like I, I think it was last year they had a bumper year uh, of trailer orders, right? Because you couldn't find drivers, you couldn't uh, get the class eights out, so you went to a lot of tra uh, trailer pools. Or, or, yep. or, or drop trailers, I should say, right? So a lot of drop trailers situations. That was something that, that we talked about a lot in 2020 and 2021. Uh, so you had this robust level of, of trailer orders uh, over the past year or so. And they've come down, you know, again, raw materials, production, labor. It all goes back to the same thing. I mean, it's just there's a tightness across every, you know, from raw materials to to, to labor, to, to start it all out, right? Yeah, Oil and gas has, has ran up as well. Fuel costs are rising. And fuel the costs. The inputs that make the fuel mm -hmm. are also rising. And I think, you know, this is kind of my take, but it's a game of the haves and the have-nots. A uh, 5,000 truck carrier can have a three-to-one turn ratio, 15,000 trailers in operation. Mm -hmm. They can flex. A five-truck carrier cannot afford to not only buy a trailer, drop it at a customer, mm -hmm. And if they do, they better make sure it's unloaded in the timely manner because they're, they're paying on that. They don't have the scale. So mm -hmm. we kind of see this to where a lot of these large carriers are making out like bandits in the earning reports. But we don't hear a lot about the smaller ones just because now we have this pressure, this tightness. They cannot expand as much and take advantage. So you're seeing the M&A. They're trying to buy positions or buy, buy, uh, dishes, buy, buy size. Buy, buy, special, yeah, buy, buy size as well. Um, but yeah, you see that, I mean, trailers, trucks, anything on the used market, you know, I, I know class eights have doubled over last year. The, the three, three-year-old class eight semis, trailers are up. It's hard to go out and, and purchase anything right now. It's extremely hard. And that, that's an interesting thought of um, how do you even get the credit line to buy it in the first place? You got to haggle with banks. You got to try to. Sure. So there, there's a whole lot that we're looking at beyond the surface that is going on that's really impacting what we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that kind of brings me into the, uh, the more formal part of the interview with you here. Uh, if the audience doesn't know, Kevin Hill is the executive producer at Freight Waves, host of the show Put the Coffee Down. And then previously, you're also, you're also still the president and founder at CarrierList.com. And, you know, you've had over a decade of experience in market research and trucking logistics operations. You've, you've been around the, the blocks. It's been a long block. <laughs> it, it has. It's been a long block. I, I tell you that. Um, but yeah, I started out uh, doing research on carriers, um, especially the small, medium-sized carriers, say five trucks to 500 trucks, um, collecting information on, on lane information, on trailer information, uh, on contact information, basically sales leads for freight brokers, and, um, and I have that business running, and then here at, at Freight Waves. Well, Talking about trucking constantly. You see, it's always on your mind. You always have one foot in it as well because, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're pretty much on the pulse. How, when you started out, how hard is it to find the carriers? We hear about it, but what's it like? 
You know what? If you go off the FMCSA census file, it's a monthly report that's generated. It has all the USDOT numbers. Uh, everything's in there. Now, that's been accumulated over the decades since deregulation, really, so 30 years of really bad data in, so you get really bad information out. So you really have to, you know, having a list of everything is, is the easy part. Narrowing that down to see what's still active or still even, you know, in service, you know, you have a lot of active MC numbers that really aren't active, a lot of bad phone numbers, a lot of bad contact information. Completely. Uh, a lot of private fleets who are for hire on paper, but they don't really hire outside goods. So uh, going through that list, I mean, we made tens and tens of thousands of calls over the last five or six years and um, just ferreting out that information. There's no real good way to do that unless by just picking up the phone and, and talking Talking to somebody or getting a disconnected <laughs> phone number, right? Pick up the phone and start dialing. Exactly. That's the way to get through, get most of the things you want, is that, just pick up the phone and start dialing. That's half of, I feel like, the logistic. We pick up the phone, we start dialing. You know, you, you throw in the load well, boards and everything else, but at the end of the day, somebody's still picking up the phone and dialing. And then I've been hung up on many times when I first started. And it was uh, it was. Well, I get hung chaos. up many times now. So. <laughs> but it, it doesn't bother me at all. But if you think about the, the whole economy, the global economy, the U.S. economy, it's very fragmented, right? You have the Fortune 500, you have the top 500 fleets that we have here at Freight Waves, right, in our publication. You have these, these big, massive, uh, you know, one end of the spectrum, right? But as you go, it's a very long tail, very fragmented. If you look at all the small and medium-sized businesses out there, uh, and all the small and medium-sized carriers out there and all the small and medium-sized brokers out there all servicing one another. I mean, you have millions of, of entities. And I think, combined. like you said, the chaos and disruption, that's kind of the, the big thing everyone's looking at. I, it's like a weird game of Marco Polo where the, mm -hmm. the broker and the carrier is like, Marco, the carrier goes, Polo, and then once you find them, he tells you the rate's not good. And, and it's a really good analogy because when you yell at Marco, the person in the game, especially, right, Polo, is always moving, right? It's a moving target, and that's the way transportation is, too. And whenever you're negotiating rates or looking for loads or, or having, you know, do you want to, to go this lane? It, it's a moving target because you can call and, and talk to the carrier um, once a week, and you might get a different answer each week because the needs change that much. It, it completely, and some carriers are market carriers or non-traditional. You know, you hear about it when you start brokerages, I'm customer routed or I'm looking for a backhaul. We hear the buzzwords all the time. Mm -hmm. But for some of them, you have some market carriers like out of Chicago and other major metros. You could call them every single day and it, it just depends. They're riding the rails. They're literally they just are. skimming on top like a speedboat. And then uh, the startup I came from, there was no pattern. I talked to brokers, they say, well, what are your top five lanes? I was like, I don't know, let me, let me shake up the magic conch real quick and let's see where the money's going. So exactly, yeah. It's so hard and difficult, I think, especially you've had experiences in brokerage logistics starting out and, mm -hmm. and learning it. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand just how hard it is getting into it, this barrier of like just slumming it up. And it was the hardest industry I've ever gone into. So I, in the mid-2000s, I got into the, really the, the financial markets. Uh, I worked for a media company that we, uh, we covered M&A. So business intelligence, subscription to large banks, large 
uh, investors, law firms, advisors, yeah. doing deals in, in every industry, right? And I, I could come into work every single day, go read Bloomberg, read the Financial Times. We were owned by the Financial Times by that point, so I always had the pink pink paper, the, the Financial Times, which is the Wall Street Journal of Europe. Uh, read cool. the Wall Street Journal as well and, and kind of learn finance, and it was about the time everything blew up anyway, so it was really interesting. Um, but I came into trucking, and there was nothing at that time, right, back in 2011, uh, there was nothing to read. There was nothing, nothing really to study up on except for the people around you, which sometimes is good and sometimes not so good because in the broker's transportation world, you, you can be surrounded by very sharp people or very not-so-sharp people, and you have to figure out which one's which. It's like this this tribal knowledge, and I think mm-hmm. like both trucking and logistics have the same problem. Where if you're surrounded by the right group of knowledgeable people, you're going to thrive really well. And then uh, if you're not surrounded by it, you're going to end up uh, failing quarterly expectations and having fun conversations with analysts. <laughs> yes, you are. Or if you're on the sales floor, you're not going to make a lot of money. That's true, and I think especially for a lot of young people that understand, I was being told like 10 calls an hour, 100 calls a day, mm-hmm. and just, it was the strangest thing. I, I started out, they put me in the seat, and they were like, oh, it's okay, you'll get turned down and hung up on a lot. And I was like, this is the craziest job in the world. And then you sit next to a guy who's seasoned, yeah. and then he's just, he knows the cues, he knows the words, and it, it's a sight to behold. Yeah, and whenever I try to explain to the to people outside the industry, especially on the carrier sell side, right? I, I'm calling carriers, I'm going to pay them money, and I get hung up on. You know, yep. you, know you can't, <laughs> you know, you, you basically, you really do have to sell the, the carrier. Even though you're paying them, uh, it becomes a unique transaction. I think that brings up a great point. In this kind of market right now, carriers have the wheel. You know, our index mm-hmm. is like 75, maybe approaching 80. 75 right now, yeah. Like we're, we're getting up there to where it's pretty clear. And I, I know, do you think this is a harder challenge to sell when carriers have the wheel? Or is it better, you know, what are your thoughts? When's the best well, time? It's, it's definitely, it's harder on the carrier side. It's easier on the shipper side. Because any, all shippers are going to throw you, especially SMB, small, medium-sized shippers, right, that might not have a routing guide all that much, right, irregular lanes, and that's who I usually worked with as a freight broker. They're going to, whoever can cover it, you know, that's the number one thing. The price is secondary. Just get it, it out. It really is. Just get it out. If you can cover it uh, on the carrier side, carrier sell side, finding someone to do it at a reasonable price or, or something your customer will pay or less friction, let's say, uh, is, is very tough. It's I, just very tough finding. It's not really even negotiating with carriers. It's finding the carrier who has open capacity, who it makes sense for them to take that load. Because you can get yourself, a lot of times, what you'll find is a carrier who might have open capacity, might not, but they they tell you they do, right? They have open capacity, but it doesn't really make sense for them. It's not a good fit in the network. It's not a good fit in the network. They'll do it, you know, for about double the market rate. That was the worst part, right? You have to find, but you have to, to, to sift through all that and find that that one really needle in a haystack in a lot of ways, especially in a market like today. It's a needle in the haystack kind of situation, especially if you get into uh, anything specialized. You, know, you get out of the dry van market, you get out of the normal reefer market, you get into a heavy haul or, or flatbed or you know just really a bad lane. Like open deck for sure. And I, I remember like I got the opportunity to learn a little bit of open deck and you know 
that, that kind of segues into a great thought. We have this infrastructure bill that just got passed. We're about mm -hmm. to see. We already see the activity on Tinder rejections for Open Deck. And so in this environment, you know, it was hard to find Open Deck to begin with. And now we're about to open up. You know, mm -hmm. if you're an Open Deck carrier, you're about to laugh your way to the bank. But You are, yeah. The infrastructure bill is, is great. Anything that is uh, heavy industries, materials, uh, raw, raw materials or, or construction, you just love to be an Open Deck carrier. Oh, yeah, because it's the craziest feeling. Uh, when I was an analyst and I worked on, you know, having the trucks, you kind of feel like the bell of the ball, so to speak, mm -hmm. sometimes. It's like, I have the capacity. Let me, you know, let me offer this for some rates here. You can haggle. But then yeah, yeah. You, turn the, you turn the coin, you're the broker, and you're finally like, I finally got a rate. And then they just shoot you down. They say, that's, that's way too much. And then all your hard work, you deflate a little bit. Mm -hmm. You're like, dang it, you know. I, and, and that's the reason why, the, you know, information, data, intelligence is, is really key. And it's the importance of, of spot rates like track, you know, near real-time information uh, that is the cost of transportation out in the market and being able to take that and justify it. Right? It's all about the data now. It, it really is. It's about this is my case, right? I didn't just make this up, you know, number one. I didn't just make up these rates. Number two is I, I'm not talking to the wrong people, you know, the, the wrong carriers. It doesn't make sense to defend their network but that's the only people you can get in touch with to get some kind of market rate, right? You have really good, stable, uh, fresh data to benchmark off of and, and say, no, this is, this is the market rate. I think that's such a unique thing. You don't see a lot of that because either they hoard the data, carriers mm -hmm. don't want to give away the pricing power to a shipper, a shipper doesn't want to know how much they really could spend to a broker, yeah. and then the broker obviously profits off of the volatility between what is offered and what is real. So, you know, this data that we're building, this data set, I think this mm -hmm. is such a unique thing to look into because, you know, what we're making, if there was an agreed upon rate that's transparent, at least we all are, you know, when we're shining our light playing Marco, but at least we actually know the boundaries, mm -hmm. and I'm not just running into a wall. I, you're exactly right. There's some winners and losers to that equation. Or our founder and CEO, Craig Fuller, uh, had a post out on, on social media so, somewhere not, not too long ago. Uh, the, the brokers just are the day traders of the, the transportation market. You do, and, and it's, it's so high risk, high reward. You get the extreme highs or the lowest of lows because it's all about that quote. And if you quote wrong, uh, not only is a customer in an awkward position, but you, I've been on the, I'm sure you have. When mm -hmm. you get this new guy, he's, he's bidding, he's like, no, we've always ran it that way. Those were the final words of any good quote is we've always ran it this way because the data was not always this way. It, it, it is. And <laughs> if you look at Wall Street trading, uh, really any profession whatsoever, uh, knowledge is key. Knowledge is power. Having the right data, having the right business intelligence be able to make decisions off of that. If you don't own any assets, all, all, your, all your worth is who you know and what you know. I think that kind of segues into a great closing thought. You know, we're in this brave new world of data. Everything that, you know, like commodities and high frequency trading in the past, mm -hmm. freight is starting to approach this situation, in my opinion, where the customer demands and the people who are shipping are going to expect more transparency, and those who can take advantage of that mm -hmm. and the platforms that provide it are going to be the ones that are able to get a leg up in the next phase. It, it, it is, and, and let's uh, clarify this, bring transparency to this, is that a lot of people make a, a very good living off the opaqueness of a market, right? The, the more muddy the waters, 
if you can capture that, you're doing really well, right? So, so transparency, having uh, clearer markets, more data, more business intelligence, you know, there's a winner and loser to, to everything. Exactly. It's like fishing. You need to know where the fish, you're going to use some sonar. Mm -hmm. Same way. We're going to use some sonar, we're going to find where the freight. We're fishing yep. for freight, we're fishing for fish. It's all going to work out. Um, Kevin, thank you for coming on the show. You can find Kevin on LinkedIn or check out his podcast, Put That Coffee Down, on uh, Apple, Spotify, or tv.freightwaves.com. That is a wrap for the show today. I'm Thomas Watson here at Loaded and Rolling, and thank you all for coming. Have a wonderful day.